Hello there, and a warm welcome to each and every single one of you. It's time for episode 47 of Near Perfect Pitch. Thanks for joining me. Now I'll forewarn you, there's some antics going on here with the uh, with the board. Uh, and specifically what that means is anything that emanates digitally from uh, the PC here at the studio is doing uh, silly things uh, after a certain decibel level. So I'm having to uh, rein in the decibels, as it were, to ensure that we are not clipping uh, those who know know what I'm talking about, those that uh, don't know, don't worry about it. It just means I've got to uh, be extra careful uh, so as I don't distort any of the tracks. Whoosh! It's Sunday. I'm in the studio. Happy to be here. It's about uh, ten past two on the Sunday. Got lots to share with you, and I must begin proceedings by saying that this episode is uh, proudly brought to you by Jim Shepherd, the Jasmine Minx, and the Tunnock's Tea Cake. Which, uh, if you join the dots, I'm sure you can uh, figure out that uh, that means that, that Jim Shepherd of the Jasmine Minx is the guest interview of the week. Uh, had a lovely chat with him yesterday and uh, the fruits of that uh, will be at the end of the programme as they always are. So stay tuned for an interview with Jim and uh, loads and loads of goodies that pertain to the world of the Jasmine Minx. Um, we were supposed to be talking to uh, Warren Dermody this week with regards to his new uh, his new project in Manchester but he's been uh, tremendously busy. He was gigging today so I'm hoping to uh, connect with him in the next two or three weeks. Um, next week we are definitely it's definitely, definitely, definitely going to have uh, Tom Hingley on the show, ex in Spiral Carpets frontman, and uh, just a prolific solo artist in conjunction with uh, three or four band incarnations that he has as well, along with his own uh, uh, home brewery, uh, and uh, gigging basically one out of every two days of any given year from, for the past decade or so. So Tom will be joining us next week. Um, I'll give you a bit of an outline what you can uh, hope to hear over the course of the next three hours or so. Uh, so in addition to uh, uh, apologising for... for the possible uh, technical boo-boos that might be forthcoming due to um, something wacky going on here with the board. Um, you can probably hear something in the background too, because I know that in the studio next to me uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman uh, doing a programme live right now, and he's brought his two kids in, and uh, it's a bit of a playground next door. So if you do hear something like the IKEA ballroom going on, uh, th- there's a reason for it. It's not me, I can assure you. Um, so let's go through some stuff that's new, shall we? We've got uh, some brand spanking new stuff from Public Service Broadcasting from the brilliant new LP, uh, Every Valley. We're going to be hearing uh, something called People Will Always Need Coal. Uh, it's a song that was almost written for Donald Trump, isn't it? Um, Lost Cause by Paris Youth Foundation. Top, top outfit. Going to hear some stuff from them. Um, let's look for some more new releases. Oh, yeah, the New, the new Order record, uh, the, the live record was released last week, and we'll be hearing a, a, a goodie by Joy Division, as done by them live. And uh, something new from Bluebirds, who were recommended to me by uh, Jordan Shearer of Neon Waltz. I was talking to him last week, and uh, he said he was blown away by this band. He stumbled upon them live, I think, in Edinburgh over the course of one weekend. And uh, he, uh, he said that uh, I have to, under any circumstances, in all circumstances, buy their material. So I did did like a good boy last week, so I'll be sharing it with you. Uh, so Bluebirds are new to me, although uh, I've become reasonably familiar with them because I've listened to them to death uh, for the past uh, week or so, and it is rather, rather good. We've got uh, the usual features, as is usual. We've got uh, Tinterweb Time, we've got Cover Me, we've got uh, the Weekly Peel, which this week's going to be the Sugar Cubes. We've got our uh, Tinterweb Time feature, and we have our 
Essential Wax feature this week, which is uh, the Sunday's Reading, Writing and Arithmetic from 1990. So without much further ado, let's get, let's get started, shall we?
What a wonderful nugget of pop brilliance that is. That is Mexico 70 uh, from uh, uh, an album, actually, that was released as a compilation on Cherry Red Records in 92 that compiled their uh, first two uh, their EPs, the first two of them, uh, and uh, four extra tracks uh, to boot. And that was uh, their second single, What's In Your Mind. Lovely stuff. And we kick things off with something that uh, I think is worthy of kicking off most programmes. That's Trash uh, by Suede, of course. That's the lead track off their third studio LP coming up that was released in 1996 on nude records through Sony, through the rest of God's green earth. Uh, As a reminder, Jim Shepard is uh, our guest interviewee this week from the, the Jasmine Minx, and they have a new single out that is absolutely stellar that I'll be playing for you in conjunction with other material uh, at the end of the programme. Uh, remind you, of course, that uh, nearperfectpitch.com is the URL where you can make the one-stop shop, as it were, whereby if you only have to remember one thing, remember that, and uh, from that portal you can then choose by which means you uh, want to listen to the programme, uh, the iTunes route, the Google Play route, the TuneIn route, the Podbean route, or the, the, the old-fashioned way, going to ckcufm.com which is the home of CKCU Radio uh, at Carlton University in Ottawa, where I am recording the studio, where I always... not recording the studio, where I'm recording the show uh, from their studios, as I do every week. And needless to say, I'm indebted to them. So uh, do support CKCU in any way, shape or form that you can, because if you like the music I play, I'd like to think that you're reasonably eclectic. Uh, CKCU has... uh, uh, legions and legions of volunteers, of which uh, loads of them are on air, uh, and uh, they produce shows on a weekly basis uh, off their own steam. Uh, but uh, the vast majority of uh, the programming is handled by people who really know what they're doing, i.e. they are experts in their field, if that makes sense. So, so if it's blues, if it's uh, uh, a certain ethnicity with regards to world music, have a look through the uh, the programme guide at ckcufm.com and see if there's something that tickles your fancy in addition to a near-perfect pitch, which I hope there is. Um, also, I wanted to uh, make mention of the fact that uh, having done radio for so long, you uh, you live in the moment, kind of, um, but uh, do appreciate that you can always go back and listen to old programmes. You don't have to listen to them uh, current, currently, as it were, or you don't have, even have to listen to them in sequence. And it's interesting to go back because it's a podcast, so you can be selective, although I like, it, like to think that people listen to it all the way through. I'm a realist and know that that doesn't happen uh, all the time. Um, but do have a, a trawl back because we have 46 back episodes to look at. Uh, and you can just, you know, you can fast forward over my nonsense and just get to the meat and potatoes of the actual songs themselves. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, here's a, a track coming up for you. It's a, a remix of a Stone Roses tune, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, Love Spreads. Uh, Victor Ole and uh, Simone uh, have remixed this, and it's a free remix that you can get off their SoundCloud site. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, the URL, uh, so w- it will be, sorry, in the uh, in the show notes. So, uh, uh, Or, if you just want to save the bother, soundcloud.com, and search for Victor Ole, V-I-K-T-O-R-O-L-L-E, uh, and Simone, as you'd expect the spelling to be, uh, and uh, most likely you will be uh, searching and finding the the actual track that I'm going to be playing for you right this moment. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
saccharine sweet sugar coated pop doesn't come much better than that does it really that silver sun from their second lp which was released in 1998 entitled neo wave and there goes the summer preceded by love spreads the victor ollie and simone remix uh, that you can snag gratis uh, from their soundcloud url which uh, i have provided for you and i was negligent in uh, not mentioning uh, in the beginning that uh, felt uh, are a band to be reckoned with, as you well know. Uh, and uh, I've had a chat with uh, Cherry Red Records this week. I've been trying to interview Lawrence for a long, long, long time. I've got some very favourable feedback in that uh, there is supposed to be, it's not well-known news, but Lawrence is recording and Cherry Red, I believe... Uh, by virtue of the banter that I've had with them, is that there's a release this year at some point with new material that emanates from Lawrence Hayward of Felt, of Go-Kart Mo- Go Mozart, rather, and uh, and Denim. Isn't that lovely? And I did, uh, uh, by virtue of getting into this Felt uh, sort of diatribe here, uh, I was uh, just mentioning, uh, failed to mention in the beginning, rather, that uh, Mexico 70 was fronted by Mick Bund, and Mick Bund is an ex-Felt member. I felt impelled to tell you that. I felt remiss by not mentioning it. It's kind of the pedantic in me that uh, overtook uh, matters here. So let's get back to music, shall we? Uh, this last week saw the release of uh, a brand new uh, record by New Order. Uh, it was uh, recorded over the course of one of uh, two residencies at the Brixton Academy. And uh, the album is called NOMC15, that's its cat number. Uh, you can get it through Pledge Music, uh, pledgemusic.com slash project slash new hyphen order hyphen live hyphen here hyphen now. And uh, we're going to hear uh, one of my favourite uh, Joy Division songs. And uh, needless to say, um, it's just done wonderfully well by uh, the vast majority uh, of uh, what was uh, remaining of, uh, of Joy Division when they recorded this. It's a lovely, lovely rendition of Atmosphere.
from 1994. Under the guise of Sugar, that's Bob Mould uh, from Sugar's second LP, File Under Easy Listening, and that's a single pulled off that record, uh, and that was available on Creation Records in the UK and outside the UK. Ryko had the distribution rights for that one. That's G Angel, and preceded by uh, a wonderful rendition of an absolute classic atmosphere, uh, as done by New Order Live at uh, the Brixton Academy, which you can get on their NOMC15, NOMC15 CD, and uh, check the show links for that uh, to go directly to their uh, pledge campaign page, whereby you can snag yourself a copy. And it's beautifully packaged as well, and there are various uh, uh, renditions of of the packaging and... uh, different formats all the stuff you'd, you'd learn to and have come to expect so uh, visit the site and buy it it's just not a greatest hits um it's uh, it's a live album uh, and uh, by virtue of it being live there are so many different nuances in terms of the renditions of the songs that they do it's entirely worth having i think i've uh, i think i've flogged a dead horse there haven't i I've oversold it, perhaps. Anyway, go and buy it. Um, Next, it's time for our uh, Cover Me, the weekly cover version of the week. And it's a song uh, that was recorded for a compilation that came out... uh, I'm trying to get the release date here, actually. Um, Not very forthcoming with uh, information on on the packaging here. Anyway, I'll get get you some more details later. It's called Who Covers Who? And it features the likes of uh, The Revs, uh, Buck Pets, Mint 400, Telescopes, uh, Alex Chilton, Swerve Driver... Uh, brilliant Corners from Bristol, Hyperhead, and this particular track I'm going to play you. So it's a, it's a, a series of uh, Who cover versions, uh, and this particular version of Substitute is done by Blur, uh, and they themselves absolutely abhor it. I don't think it's that bad, really.
a half feet thick, there is still at least 10,000 million tons of the coal that made her famous. Enough for another 400 years. turning out best Welsh for a few hundred years yet.
music to Donald Trump's ears. That That is brand new stuff from public service broadcasting from their brand spanking new LP entitled Every Valley. And that is people will always need coal, at least for the next 400 years, that is. And that was uh, preceded by Blur's rendition of a 1966 single by The Who, Substitute, uh, that reached number five in the charts all those years ago. And that appears on the 1993 figured out the year on that one not to be seen at all on the cd or uh, packaging itself had to uh, use the old goog for that one and again that's blur doing the who and that's our cover version of the week um i think we've got through about eight or nine songs so far which is not bad going really next it's time for our uh, weekly peel feature we're going to go back to 1987 to the first session uh, that uh, the sugar cubes Iceland's The Sugar Cubes uh, recorded uh, for uh, Mr. Peel himself and this is uh, the Peel session version of Motor Crash.
one of the most consistent pop songsmiths out there. That's uh, Irving's finest, Trashcan Sinatra's. That's their ninth single that appears on their third of six studio LPs. Um, and that's a single called Twisted and Bent, and the LP that it's pulled from is called A Happy Pocket. And they started uh, life on Go Discs record and stayed there for quite some time. And uh, Go Discs at the time, they had the success of the initial uh, Trash Cans record on their hands, uh, entitled Cake. And they also had uh, on their hands, they had the Beautiful South and the House Martins and that minor little outfit from Liverpool called uh, The Lars. Uh, they were a label to be reckoned with for four or five years with Go Discs. And before we heard uh, the uh, Twisted and Bent tune, the ninth single by the Trash Cans, we heard Motor Crash, a single by the Sugar Cubes, of course. And that's the 1987 Peel Session version of that track. Not an officially released version, so uh, I have to apologise for the rather abrupt ending, but that is the best version that I've ever been able to source. I'm sure somebody out there has got a mint copy, but uh, I don't have one. Uh, it's quite a large file, but it's, uh, it's chopped off at the end, and I don't like it. But uh, beggars can't be choosers, can they, really? We're going to go next to Australia.
Harris Youth Foundation from Liverpool. That is brand new stuff. That is a single that you can get digitally on the usual uh, repositories called uh, Lost Cause. Absolutely uh, stupendous stuff. Uh, Hoping to be chatting with the lads at some point in the next couple of months. Uh, uh, I really, really, really do like this band. Uh, So do check them out and uh, buy everything you can get by them. There's uh, there's a handful of singles that you can get uh, and that should uh, add to your summertime listening. Really, really good outfit, our Paris Youth Foundation. And uh, by request, uh, prior to that, um, from Brisbane, uh, the go-betweens with a beautiful uh, tune called uh, Right Here, a single uh, that appeared on their fifth LP, uh, 1987's uh, Tallulah, which uh, was released on Beggar's Banquet Records. And that is uh, for Justin. And uh, it didn't tell me where he was. Um, but you can uh, request a song and uh, contact me, should you wish, at uh, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. I read every single one, although they're not a litany of them, but you know what I mean. Uh, so uh, the go-betweens left us with 10 LPs. Really, really are a wonderful outfit, and uh, I think the last release that they uh, uh, made available was in 2005. They've uh, long been defunct, but uh, have left uh, quite a nice legacy behind. Again, go-betweens from, uh, from Brisbane, Australia, and that was uh, right here. Next, it's time to hear an album track by uh, Kingmaker. God, I can hear that crash next door.
Jordan Shearer for recommending them to me that's Bluebirds with a track called Dog off uh, their EP entitled There Is No God uh, and that's the band that uh, Jordan happened upon uh, whilst in Edinburgh uh, recently and he uh, recommended to me that I get my hands on this EP as should you and uh, go to your usual digital uh, emporiums to source Bluebirds uh, and the There Is No God EP and before that uh, Kingmaker from uh, Eat Yourself Whole uh, their debut long player that's an album track and a firm fave entitled Freewheeling uh, and my amnesia struck once more, didn't it? I forgot to mention uh, some of the key URLs for uh, Liverpool's wonderful new outfit, Paris Youth Foundation. Soundcloud.com slash Paris Youth Foundation uh, or Facebook.com slash Paris Youth Foundation. Now, uh, 
Uh, you're all used to the programme format whereby I do a hat trick. I play a hat trick of songs uh, every single week where it gives you an opportunity to stick the kettle on, uh, make a sandwich, have a nap, God forbid. Um, I'm playing three in a row this week, as I always do, but there's a little bit of a different twist this week in that last week was uh, Canada's birthday. It was Canada Day. It was uh, Canada's sesquicentennial, 150 years old, uh, which is uh, quite something to behold. Uh, and with that, I avoided downtown or anything that resembled the core for the entire weekend, which meant that uh, I avoided Carlton University, where I record the programme. Um, so I would have played this a few days ago and it would have had more poignance, uh, but uh, better late than never. So I'm going to play three songs for you that uh, hold, in my humble opinion, a very, very uh, important places in Canadian indie uh, alternative music history. Uh, those of you that are Canadian will, will no doubt know these. Those of you that aren't, hopefully you, you're going to hear something say, hang on a minute, it's not just uh, flipping uh, Shania Twain and, uh, and Justin Bieber that they, they, that they produce over there. There's a lot of great music in Canada. We all know that. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the world isn't as privy to it as, uh, as the residents of this fine country. However, um, we're going to go back in time. We're going to be playing songs from 1980, 1990 and 1988, respectively.
there's your Canadian hat trick, boys and girls. That was uh, Mona Lisa by Sons of Freedom from Vancouver from their self-titled debut on uh, Slash Records from 1988. A beauty, that is. And before that, another band from Vancouver. Um, this one, a little bit more dance, uh, uh, alt-indie orientated. Uh, Mauve with the 12-inch version of uh, Head Down from 1990's uh, third LP of theirs, uh, Head Down. And uh, that was on Network Records, the mighty, mighty Network Records, that uh, made an awful lot of money out of a young lady called Sarah McLaughlin and still continue to do so in some uh, some ways, shapes and forms. And kick things off with Toronto's uh, Radio Silence. Uh, sorry, Blue Peter with their, their Radio Silence pulled off uh, their debut uh, Radio Silence LP on Ready Records from 1980. So that's uh, two from Vancouver from 1990 and 1988 and one from Toronto from an age ago uh, from 1980. So that's your Canadian sesquicentennial hat trick. Um, we'll stay in Canada because I got an email last week from Ian, Ian Jean specifically, in Ottawa, and he has asked me to play some black box recorder. So I will. New baby boom starts today. I've got everything you need. Baby boom, take you home. I've been waiting so long. New baby boom, slipping through your magic fingers. New, I'll meet a man, but you'll always have your mother's eyes. First love song for our brand new son. First love song. The kid is gone, he's now my son. Wish that on you 
He only fell asleep at the wheel there. That is uh, the DBs. And the DBs uh, were a band that uh, put out an awful lot of music um, during the early to late 80s. And this particular song uh, is from their fourth LP and their only LP that they recorded for IRS Records. They were label mates of, uh, of R.E.M. Let me just do the maths. Were R.E.M. still on IRS in 87? I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, from The Sound of Music, their fourth LP, The DBs, Think Too Hard. And uh, for Ian, uh, prior to that, we heard New Baby Boom by Black Box Recorder. Now, Black Box Recorder uh, released three LPs and five singles between uh, 98 and 2003. Uh, Luke Haynes, ex-frontman uh, of the O'Tours, uh, along with Sarah Nixie and uh, John Moore, formerly of uh, The Jesus and Mary Chain. They are a very fey very, very British outfit. Uh, the only band I can really find a parallel that would really sort of resonate with you in terms of the lyrical content and the themes that they uh, they write about would uh, quite possibly uh, be uh, Saint Etienne, uh, very much uh, in the same breath as that uh, kind of subject matter. And I suppose you could uh, extrapolate that to some of the content that uh, um, Nick Lair Clowes used to write for the Dream Academy. Just intrinsically British, just beautiful stuff. And uh, before that, we heard our sesquicentennial Canadian hat trick, didn't we? My goodness, we're about uh, 18 or so songs through uh, the programme. And uh, don't forget that at the end of the programme, we are going to be talking to Jim Shepherd, uh, the Jasmine Minx. Looking forward uh, uh, to playing some tunes by the Jasmine Minx at the end of the programme to surround the interview. And don't forget that you can always uh, email me at nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. And if you do like the programme, which I hope you do, uh, do spread the word, because every listener counts. I'm reaching a critical mass nearly of 50 episodes, um, this being uh, episode 47. Uh, and uh, to celebrate the 50th, 
Uh, I'm not going to be doing anything radical, but it's going to be the turning point by which I'm going to try and take it to the next level and try and gain some sponsorship and uh, perhaps some syndication. I'm trying my best. Uh, all it means is that uh, uh, what I can offer you on a weekly basis will be better in terms of more preparedness on my part, whereby I'll be able to dedicate more time to it if I can procure some sponsorship. Um, anyway, we'll cross those bridges when we get to them. What's next? What have I got queued up next? Oh, yes. Um, uh, at the end of the programme, as I mentioned, we're going to be here uh, talking uh, to, to Jim Shepherd. And lately, what I've been doing, instead of choosing songs myself uh, to play by the bands concerned that I interview, I've been asking them to curate uh, songs for me. Um, now, now, Jim and the Jasmine Minx uh, have uh, had a fellowship with the Jazz Butcher since the heady days of Creation Records in, 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 uh, in the late 80s and have stayed uh, firm friends and they even gigged uh, together. You'll hear in the interview that they did a gig uh, recently in, in Northampton with, the, with each other. So I asked uh, Jim to choose the, the output for one um, Jasmine Minx track, which I will play, but I also asked him to choose a Jazz Butcher song. Now, despite me going into all of this detail, the song that he chose, I know exactly the one it is, off the latest record, but uh, I have only alphabetized my, uh, my uh, music to a certain point uh, and to a certain date. And this particular record, I devoted 45 minutes this morning looking for this CD that I now I've got. I just couldn't find it for love nor money. So I'm going to play a different track uh, by The Jazz Butcher, but it's The Jazz Butcher, so it's bound to be good, isn't it? Yeah. 
There's two in a row for you uh, from the Creation Records stable. Uh, that first one there, well, sorry, the last one, is uh, The House of Love. From their uh, initial release, uh, in terms of a full length, it was a compilation of, uh, of singles. It's the only uh, House of Love track with female vocals featuring uh, the vocals, specifically of Andrea Herkamp, who uh, left the band uh, before the first album proper, before it all really started to happen. But I know that the band have kept in touch, and uh, she's also joined them on the rare occasion that they've got together uh, to uh, perform live over the course of uh, the past 20 years or so. Uh, I do hope, it's one of my hopes, uh, I don't usually hope for bands to get together uh, again after they've uh, disbanded, but the House of Love, I still think they've got a lot left in them. I really do. And if you, if you know me well enough and you listen to the programme, you'll know uh, just how much I rate uh, the House of Love. And before that, uh, on Creation Records also, from 1990s, Cult of the Basement, that's the Jazz Butcher with Girl Go, also a single from the same year. And uh, that was in lieu of the track that uh, Jim Shepard had chosen uh, for me to play by the Jazz Butcher by virtue of their uh, friendship. Right then, what we got next? Some Spacemen 3. <laughs> Thank you. 
Infernal Racket indicates, kids, that it's Tinterweb time, which is uh, the weekly delve into the World Wide Web. And this week, I was actually um, looking for some material uh, from Stan Ridgway, who um, used to be uh, the big fella, the main man in uh, Wall of Voodoo. And a lot of the Wall of Voodoo and Stan Ridgway stuff is uh, presently without label, uh, i.e. you can't buy it. Um, So I was looking for some of the old IRS stuff, which is really hard to find. Um, and I stumbled upon this particular site. It's called 80s on Speed, uh, and the URL is uh, quite simple. It's uh, 80s as uh, numeric 80s on Speed, all one word. dot com, and it's not a massively populated site because it's brand spanking. Uh, the, the the person concerned's only been uh, putting stuff, uh, uploading stuff for, for the past. Let's see, since April. Uh, but there's been a steady flow. There's nonsense on here. There's rubbish on here like Corey Hart. But there's some really, really good stuff. Like uh, they've got uh, Dark Continent here by Wall of Voodoo, uh, as they have uh, Call of the West from uh, 1982. So um, I know it's not nice to be downloading music that doesn't go, uh, uh, well, where the profits don't go into, into the pockets of the music, uh, the artist's concern, rather. Well, if it's deleted, there's, there's little you can do. If you want the record, uh, don't feel bad. You'll still sleep at night if you go to sites like 
like this and uh, download wonderful stuff that's long since been deleted rather so you don't have to rely upon uh, being online with some of these uh, Spotify-esque services whereby you always need some kind of connectivity um, I suppose you can download with, with, the, with the, the premium features any road I'm rambling but 80s on speed is a good little blog gone to a lot of trouble here very easy to navigate and and I expect as I've been on uh, this site three or four times this week uh, there's the intermittent editions so Ignore the dross, of which there is some, but there are some gems, as I've uh, mentioned here. Uh, specifically, uh, as I was looking for some Stan Ridgeway, uh, came across all this wall of voodoo that I've only got on vinyl, but it'd be nice to have digitally. So uh, this person has uh, done a very good job of helping me out. So that's this week's uh, Tinterweb time. It's now time to persist with some music.
That's Hold On by Richard Ashcroft, one of six singles uh, pulled off his fifth solo LP. Last year's These People. Hold On is uh, the track concerned. Uh, prior to hearing that tune by Richard, we heard the third single off the first LP by Klaxons. We heard a single called Magic off the LP Myths of the Near Future. And I did neglect to uh, inform you what we heard prior to uh, 80s on Speed, our Tinterweb Time website of the week. We heard from 1993's Behind the Counter EP on permanent records, our obligatory fall, our track of the week was Cab Driver. And before that, the gut-wrenching Revolution by Spaceman 3 from 1989. Nearly, nearly at the end of the programme. We've got a couple of things to take care of before we get into the interview with Jim Shepherd. starting with this. Love like a money, they go to my headlights. 
that's quite gorgeous, isn't it? That is Can't Be Sure by The Sundays. And The Sundays LP, uh, Reading, Writing and Arithmetic, released in 1990, is our Essential Wax LP of this current week. Now, The Sundays, started by uh, Dave Gavirin and uh, Harriet Wheeler. Um, they're the songwriters and they are also a married couple. Now, they released Can't Be Sure, the song that we've just heard, long, long, long prior in 1989, prior to the release of the LP, and it teased and it teased and it teased. Mr Peel played it amongst other prominent DJs, uh, and I was in London and I picked up the three-inch CD version of that, uh, and that was quite rare, I've learned uh, in, in past years. It was released on 12-inch and limited edition, uh, limited run rather, it wasn't a, a concerted limited edition, uh, three-inch CD single. Now, the, uh, the, the album itself in its entirety was uh, recorded uh, during 89 and 90 and uh, did see release in the UK with a release date of the 15th of Jan 1990. Now, the record itself was produced by Ray Shulman, uh, but David and Harriet are very, very involved in all processes and processes uh, with regards to the recording, as they have been with all three of their records. Uh, they have started a family and have took a long, long hiatus and when they're good and ready do not be surprised for a return um, but I do think that they have other familial priorities right now uh, I know that uh, David Badil is a big uh, uh, a big fan and a friend of theirs and I was reading something that he wrote uh, just recently saying that uh, there's a possibility that they might be recording and uh, we as fans might be able to hear more from the glorious outfit uh, that is the Sundays next track last track the song the second song that I'm going to play for you uh, so as usual, it's my hope that if you've uh, not heard of the Sundays and know, know nothing of them, I hope I've done uh, a sufficient enough job to at least pique your interest. And if you do love it, like it, go and buy the record. Again, 1990s reading, writing and arithmetic by the Sundays. Go and snag it. And if you already own it, you know how good it is, don't you? So here's a, a beauty, an album track, My Finest Hour. <laughs>
Me Deep by the Jasmine Minx, an LP track from 1988, Another Age, their third LP on Creation Records. The song as well also features on the Doing It For The Kids creation compilation from the same year. It's the lead track on this 15-track album, which at the time was a very, very good introduction to initiate people into the wonderful roster of artists that were uh, on the label at the time, including Razor Cuts, My Bloody Valentine, The Jazz Butcher, Primal Scream, Biff Bang Pow, The House of Love felt and others 
So there you have it. That is uh, Cut Me Deep by the Jasmine Minx. We're going to be playing one more song by them before we get into the interview, and then a song after we hear the interview with Jim. Um, don't forget that uh, prior to hearing uh, Jasmine Minx, Cut Me Deep, we did hear two tracks by the Sundays from our Essential Wax LP of the Week, uh, reading, writing and arithmetic that did reach number four in the charts proper way back in 1990. Now, in keeping with Mr Jim Shepherd, uh, it was lovely to talk to him yesterday. Uh, he had to drive uh, quite a way to the nearest uh, town to be able to get some decent reception because he lives slap bang in in the highlands and we had a lovely chat about uh, what was what is and what will be when it comes to uh, the stable of jasmine minx and uh, and their output uh, the interview is, is wonderful as most of them are because it's not down to me it's down to the artist uh, telling you about uh, their works and uh, the Jasmine Mink story is a lovely story. It's, uh, it's a story uh, much like uh, the Darling Buds and the Primitive story where the fan base has stayed loyal through the decades. Not the years, but the decades. Next track we're going to hear is a song that you'll learn more about uh, when Jim explains to you the machinations between putting the, the record out. It's entitled 10,000 Tears. You can get the record from the jasminminks.bandcamp.com page. I'm going to put all the Jasmine Minks links as I always do, in the show notes. So rest assured that you can uh, get to anything and everything that's pertinent that pertains to the Jasmine Minx by virtue of visiting uh, any number of uh, sites that you can get through the main site here, nearperfectpitch.com. Any road, all proceeds of this record go to a wonderful, wonderful charity that uh, Jim will detail a lot more in the interview to come. So one more track from uh, the Jasmine Minx. Then it's the interview with Jim, and I'll be back with uh, one more song to wrap things up. A good man tried to shoot me Towards the Premier League of life Somehow I got deflected, Lord I ended up in strife Now I've cried 10,000 tears Over what seems like such wasted years But I'll cry for you no more My
Every single penny from the proceeds of this wonderful single will be going to the Scottish Division of the Motor Neuron Disease uh, Research Group. Um, you'll learn more uh, as to why and how this terrible condition has uh, afflicted uh, the band, the extended band's family, and why it's uh, a charity that's near and dear to their heart. Uh, on top of that, it's a wonderful, wonderful tune, and you'll also learn more about uh, uh, the genesis of this particular track and how uh, it's uh, not as new as you perhaps think it might be. So it's over to me and uh, the wonderful Jim Shepherd, and I'll be back after the interview with one more song by the Jasmine Minx and uh, to tie up the programme. Enjoy it. Yes, hello. Jim, how are you? It is Dara. Yes, Jim, how's things? Yeah, you're absolutely fine. I can hear you very, very clearly. Okay, good. Because I, I decided I was out to the shops and I decided to uh, try and find a place with a decent reception, but I couldn't find one. So I'm just hoping it's good enough for you to record. Yeah, there's there's no problem. I mean, if if, if it gets any if it gets worse, I'll, I'll I'll certainly let you know. Are you are you in Roybridge at the moment, then, Jim? I'm in Spainbridge. Uh, I mean, I live, I live near Roybridge, but I'm just come out to the shops at Spainbridge, so that's, I'm just sitting at a viewpoint, kind of looking over Ben Nevis and a few other mountains, so it's quite nice. Oh, it's I'm sure, nice. I'm it's sure it's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely idyllic. I'm just glad that you could get reception. So what's your, what's your typical day like nowadays, Jim? Um, well, I teach, uh, so about three quarters of my time is taken up teaching in the high school in Fort William. Yes. Um, where I teach wood, woodwork and metalwork and uh, kind of practical subjects, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's great. I've got four kids here who um, to kind of look after and uh, taxi around all over the place, you know, so very busy. Yeah, well, I, I live in kind of live in your world, with, with, with especially the kids department. Um, so, so your your your, your life is obviously there's, there's 24 hours in any given day, and you've got uh, work obligations, family obligations, social and friend obligations, and then somehow you've got to, got to squeak in the Jasmine Minx. Yes, well, I do a lot of music on my own. Looking, I've, I've always looking about with music and recording or playing, but. Um, Jasmine Minx is a different thing really because we're kind of, uh, we're, we all live so far apart it takes a lot of organisation to try and get us in the same room together to rehearse. Yes. And even more so to try and uh, to record or to play live, you know, so it's, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare but we do, we put a lot of effort into trying to do trying to get back and play a few gigs and do a little bit of recording. I'd like to do lots more, to be honest, but yeah. it's just been really difficult to kind of 
to organise, you know. Oh yeah, it must be immensely, immensely challenging for you. But despite despite all that, you've um, you've done rather well. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the the latest release in a little while. But uh, if you don't mind, as as a fan, I'd 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 like to just you know hear a little bit more about the uh, the Preston gig and uh, playing playing with Pat and the boys again because I know that uh, well pa Pat's been on the show a couple of times and. Uh, uh, Jazz Butcher are very near and dear to my heart, as as are as are the Minks, and uh, it's just nice to be able to tie a couple of things together here. So you, you had uh, you had that wonderful gig in Preston in uh, in April. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Well, um, a lovely chap called uh, uh, Rico La Roca, which is uh, I don't know if you know Rico, but. Uh, no of him. The yeah. best name of anybody. <laughs> he <laughs> yes. sounds like he should be a, a superstar. And he is in a way because he's just, he's a Lynx fan and he um, is a Jazz Butcher fan. So um, it was just a great opportunity really for, for him to um, get us off his bucket list. And <laughs> get yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was just great to see Pat again, you know, uh, to yeah. see Pat Fitch uh, and hear some of his kind of uh, versions of his songs again in a slightly more laid back way, but it was still really, really nice. So it was, it was good. It gave us a kind of a, a, a kick up the arse to, to kind of get rehearsing and get set together and put a lot of time into it. So. Um, it's given us that put on to the ladder to try and play more gigs and to try and uh, and, and we released the single just after that as well. So yeah, yeah. It all really kind of worked out well for us. So I really enjoyed playing the gig and um, it's it's been good because of all the things I've said, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's been the it's been the catalyst to to the you know Jasmine Mink sort of. <laughs> resurfacing and as I say as a fan it's, it's wonderful to, to hear new material um, which I'll get to in a second but I've got I've got quite a quite a few questions that are that I want the listenership to try and get their heads around because some of the listenership will be fully immersed in your world in that they are uh, fans and have been from inception and there'll be others of course that have never ever heard of you which uh, they're the ones who I hope okay. to they're the ones I, who I hope to indoctrinate obviously um, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the idea. So you know, everybody I interview, I I approach because I have interest personally, but I also believe it's of interest to the listenership. So I want to share your story. So it's well documented. You know, I, I don't want to harp on the past too too much because there's an awful lot of exciting stuff happening in the present. But you know, it's well documented to start with creation. Just wanted to um to just get your take on um you being able to perhaps and hopefully uh, uh, showcase yourself to, to a newer audience or a different audience with regards to being on the Creation Artifacts compilation, which made a bit of a stir. And obviously the wonderful the wonderful compilation that is a one-stop shop for anybody who has, knows nothing about you is to get their hands on the, uh, the Cherry Red compilation. So those two things have uh, made your material very accessible after having been hard to find for, for a few years prior. Yeah, yeah. Um, the artifact was really good for us because we did have a lot of. Well, we've still got lots more actually of uh, outtakes which have never been 
Paragon released. Yes. So that that was really nice. Uh, um, we did actually record for the first couple of albums. It was a hodgepodge of recordings that we, that we did here and there, and um, by the time they were released, they were kind of mixed in with other songs from different sessions, and nothing ever really seemed to blend together for us. And uh, which is, wasn't great at the time in some ways because it, it kind of always felt like we were changing and the records weren't keeping up with us. Yeah. In another way, it's, it's good that we had a whole load of recordings that um, sat in the back burner until now. So it's, it's, it's been good now because there seems to have been a bit of interest in uh, some of these recordings. So that's, that's been good for us. Yeah, yeah. I think the Creation Artifacts was a lovely package because it allowed, even if you thought you were a completist, you weren't. Cause, uh, there were some gems on that on that uh, box set that, that were unavailable elsewhere. And and Cherry Red typically, because they they don't really do a bad job of anything. The, the compilation could have been horrendous, but they did a tremendous job of compiling uh, all of your well, all of your uh, works to the recent date. It, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to discover a band and uh, rarely do you get someone's whole catalogue on, on a couple of discs. It's wonderful. The Cut Me Deep compilation, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great little, uh, it's a great little uh, concise package that, that few bands have one release that can totally encapsulate them. So I was, I was really chuffed to get my hands on that because it gives you a different, uh, a different context. As opposed to listening to the albums individually, yeah, because you know usually you drop you drop the needle on you know side one, song one, but the CD to to listen to it as, as a fluid one piece, it's kind of uh, the evolution of a band all in one all in one session, and it's kind of a cool listen to listen to it from beginning to end. Yeah, it's gone down really well. I think you know we didn't promote it very well when it came out. It'd be nice to kind of. Uh, revisit it again and kind of let people know that it's out there. So it's been out for a couple of years now. It has, yeah. Um, like you say, it's got all our all our creation recordings on it, and we're very lucky that we we license our own music. So um, we license the creation stuff. We, we license the stuff that was on Bop Tones and Alan McGee's Bop Tones, mm -hmm. and all any recordings we've done since. So it's, it means that unlike a lot of bands, I think we. That's it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's made up for a few a few uh, issues in the past whereby of course creation creation and, and uh, the exponential exponential rise of, of the Mary chain in, in conjunction with your with your presence, it took away from some of the momentum that you'd gained. And of course, there was the big uh, journalistic strike in 84 when you were just gaining some momentum and it was almost like the carpet was swept away from underneath your feet. But you kept going regardless, built a, a very, very loyal fan base who I'm sure are as chuffed as I am that you're making new music. But I'm just, I'm really, really happy that uh, people half my age can discover your music and the people I've spoken to who have never heard your tunes before I turn them onto it. They've got that rare, 
short-term ability to have uh, uh, an objectivity that I don't have because the minks are subjective to me because I've been there since the beginning. And it's lovely to hear someone who's in their 20s talk about how relevant and current it sounds despite it being, uh, you know, a quarter of a century plus old. I'm quite amazed by when I hear young people, it's happened a few times this year, you know, some uh, young people, maybe late teens and in their 20s, saying, actually, I really like your stuff, you know, and it's been a revelation to me because I just thought we were appealing to our own age kind mm. of audience, you know, and to reach out to new people has been absolutely, you know, it's... <laughs> Absolutely. And I've been, it's, it's funny, I've spoke, I've spoke to a lot of acts uh, of late, ranging from the brand new Scottish talent like, uh, like Neon Waltz, who are just a phenomenal outfit. Um, I, I was talking to uh, Douglas Stewart a few weeks ago, uh, Stuart McLeod as well, who's uh, very involved in the scene. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, also talking to Sean Dixon, who has now got a, after post Suit Dragons, has a, a very, very vibrant career in uh, with his new project Hi-Fi Sean and and his DJing, but there's a lot of there's a lot of talent that uh, by virtue of the wonderful platforms like Bandcamp and Pledge, whereby you can reach out to a, a reasonably loyal captive audience and, and and nice and organically and virally grow grow what you've got, and I think that you've done a a, a rather good job of that. But uh, let's let's talk about the single if you don't mind, because the single itself, of course, for the for the people listening, the Ten Thousand Tears. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about, uh, first of all, aligning with Oak Cake Records and uh, the sentiment between it and obviously the charity involved and, and, ha and how the whole thing really came together? Well, we wanted to record something new. I mean, Oak Cake is my kind of hobby. Yeah. Um, and what he had, we've been writing, you know, quite a few songs. There's, there's, shortage of uh, songs that we could record, it's just getting around to recording them, I'm sure a lot of them would be um, really good, but 10,000 Tears in particular was just perfect for what we wanted to convey, what he wrote it, but you know, yeah. the whole feel of it, um, because his brother's been diagnosed with motor neuron disease, and the whole thing just seemed to go together with the music, the lyrics, the, um, the logo to go with it, the whole kind of thing we've been trying to build up. You were saying about building up uh, organically on Bandcamp. Well, we've been trying to get into this new way of doing things mm. you know, with the Bandcamp and Twitter. And it's been really nice meeting all these people online and kind of trying to connect with them. Um, and we realised that we kind of had this song um, we had this kind of really nice kind of image to go with it, um, with a fantastic way of raising money for, you know, a friend, brother to Wattie, and to link in a really important charity, and to, to help people, you know, who on average, once they're diagnosed, have 14 months to live, wow. you know, so it's yeah. kind of 
it stops you in your tracks when you think of that. And for us to be able to raise awareness of that horrible disease, you know, it's been fantastic. So it's out in vinyl, you know, on Oatcake, and it's on the band camp if anybody wants to buy it. Um, it is on uh, iTunes and all the other MP3 uh, downloads as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's been a really positive thing for us to do, and that's been, that's been really good for us. Well, it's a, it's a quite beautiful song, number one. Number two, it seems to be a seamless fit with the sentiment that you're trying to purvey, which, is, which just comes across as being totally natural. Uh, in, in addition to that, too, aesthetically, um, it's a beautiful design. I was wondering if you could just let us know who, who designed uh, the, the artwork. It's, 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 so, it's, sim it's simplistic, effective, and, and it's quite beautiful. Well, I came up with the idea for the artwork, um, and I'm no graphic designer, so I sent it to my pal Les Clark, who does a lot of the artwork for Easy Action, and you know, the, all yeah. the reissues of the yeah. Mark Bolin and Iggy Pop kind of stuff, and he's fantastic at that, so he took uh, my artwork and just made it, made it kind of a bit kind of slick. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. just worked so well. And then when we got the t-shirts made, we just thought, wow, this is just amazing. You know, so we've kind of we've also come up with some backdrops and stuff using it. So it's just tied in nicely in this kind of we used to have backdrops when we first started playing hand painted backdrops. Yes, you know? yes. And uh, it's just it's just going going full circle really to <laughs> to getting uh spending a bit of money and getting a kind of professional uh professional uh, paper stroke kind of uh, linen or whatever they made out of backdrop. So the image has worked really, really well. Yeah, and it's always been a part of your... It's always been a part of, uh, of, of, of the Minks... Uh, overall package. I mean, the I've talk I talk a lot about this because you know the, the aesthetic is is very very important to me. Uh, That's where my degree is and where I've sort of grown and and talking to people about buying records based upon how they look rather than how they sound back in the day. And, and you've always you've always been very very uh, conscientious of not just how how you sound as a band but also how you're visually represented. And this is no different. It, it really comes across uh, beautifully well. Um, there's another another question that's kind of related. Uh, you, you, you've you've done some judging uh, on um, on some panels for the Mercury Prize, and by virtue of that, you've you've uh, you've seen a lot of stuff that other people haven't seen. Is is there anything that you could perhaps uh, recommend or tease us with? Is there is there anything that you could perhaps uh, curate for us and say you, you need to look out for this lot or here's a good band from X Y Z. I'm really not very good at keeping up with bands. I tend to get recommended stuff by other people. So to judge on the, uh, the Mercury <laughs> with, uh, prize was great. And, and I listened to all the albums and so many of them alike. And if that's the quality that's around now, people like Miller Jones, I just think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Bill Ryder Jones as well. I mean, I knew the Coral, uh, but his album was absolutely fantastic. Well, I think it's his second album that I was listening to. Uh, and I love that as well. I mean, I do get recommended stuff occasionally. And the last thing I was recommended was 
uh, a Welsh guy uh, album called Armstrong. I don't know if you know him. I don't, uh, but I'm going to look. fantastic. Great, great. I'm taking notes feverishly here, by the way, Jim. Well, Armstrong, I, I think the album that's coming out, or maybe out already, um, has a lot of demos on it, but they're just they're so good, you kind of think, don't touch them. They're, they're, they're really good as they are, just let people hear them. So um, that seems to be what's happened, and the album's coming out with lots of demos. Presumably he's made um, some other stuff as well, but the good um, kind of point for me is I take the kids out in the car and I put music on and a lot of the time they're not that interested and they, they thought this was great. So to find a kind of common listening music for, for my family is <laughs> quite difficult at times. Yeah, I can... So, I understand. I, I also I also have a lot of parallels in my life. It's, it's I was I was having this conversation a couple of days a couple of days ago with a, with a with a friend of mine saying I've got I've got a basement full of vinyl and CD and you name it, and the kids walk past it like it's some invisible wall, and I, and I feel I feel like I've failed miserably. <laughs> but there's always time. There's always time. That's the beauty of music. You can always go back and revisit. So there, there's a semblance of a chance that they'll go back and and say, Hang on, Dad, you were right, but. We'll, we'll wait and see how that unfolds. I've got a couple of sort of kind of flippant questions for you that I think you might get a kick out of. Well, I know that you've got a minimal affiliation with football and that you tend just in a hobbyistic way to follow Tottenham's results. Is, is that got anything at all to do with Pat? <laughs> no, no, nothing whatsoever. It's a glorious coincidence. Okay. And uh, <laughs> the promoter puts on in London when we played... Jazz Witcher, Chaz and Minx uh, at the Lexington. It's also a Tottenham fan, so we had a great night. In oh. <laughs> uh, great. I just wondered because I mean it wouldn't have been on beyond the realms of possibility because he's, uh, he's 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 you know he's rather well he's a committed Spurs fan that's for sure. But it's interesting that you are being of course yeah. where where you're from because I would have thought you'd be down Pitodry as opposed to White Hart Lane. Yeah, well, I'm from Aberdeen, and that's my home team, uh, although I live in the West Highlands now. Yeah. But I lived in London for 18 years. That's you right. Know, and watched all the teams in London. As soon as I saw Tottenham, I fell in love with them. So that was, that's, it's quite a romantic thing, really. It's just, it's about kind of beautiful football rather than yes. kind of a, a cut and thrust of following your team every, you know, through every newspaper and every radio article. Yeah, well, top Tottenham, Tottenham. I've had this conversation with Pat, and I'm I'm from the northwest, and I've been a Liverpool fan since since I can well since forever. Uh, but there's 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 some there's something about Tottenham, and it's a shame because now that they're moving, well, not moving, they're sort of annexing what they existing they have. Um, there was something very special about the lane, and uh, if if I was a Londoner, which of course you can't really quantify, Spurs, I think, would have drawn me. Uh, but uh, it's, it's the only team in London that I think has a feeling of, of class and ownership, and it's got a cachet to it that doesn't really need speaking of. It's just there, and um, I, I hope I'm I hope I'm articulating myself reasonably well. But there's an intangible romance attached to Spurs that even if you abhor them because they're your rivals, I have a I have a a respect for Spurs that I can't relinquish because they have something 
about them that no one else has in London. And it's, as I say, if I was to quantify it in words, it's very difficult, but I think you have to have to have been at White Hart Lane on, on X occasions to really just take it in. And it's something special. It really is. Yes, I agree. It's, you, you kind of, having lived in London for so long and um, visited nearly every home team there, you do get a certain feel for different clubs. And when you know when you've gone home, you know, and I, I've gone home when I, when I set foot in White Hart Lane. So that was just, that was as simple as that, really. Yeah, well, that, that's what... Glenn Hoddle and... Glenn Hoddle, Chris Waddle were playing at the time, you know. So was, well, uh, well, that didn't hurt. Then, that, that didn't hurt. <laughs> then, he, then, then he got Gascoigne as well. So it was quite. It was the heady days, wasn't it? Wonderful stuff. Yeah, that's right. Definitely. Yeah. So I've got another question. That this one isn't flippant. It's just you've you've been around for a long time, uh, and and I, and I don't mean yeah. to sound that negative in that capacity, but you've seen an awful lot come and go. No. You've you've started from scratch in, in the realms of DIY production all the way through the, the evolution of music to whereby everything is digital nowadays, the industry has changed irreversibly and categorically. Having said all that, um, are there aspects of your creative process that have not changed during all of this upheaval of the last 25, 30 years? I.e., are you this, are your process... Are you doing stuff the same way? Is what I'm trying to say. I think I think I am now definitely, um, but I've come full circle in some ways because in the '90s and early 2000s, I was using a lot of um, electronic um, drum machines, programmers, and stuff like that, and it was good for a while, but then we tried to play live using it all. It was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. So it was that we had a kind of reaction against that, and I I did a few recordings. We did an album on Pop Tones, which was kind of a mix of guitar and electronics, and it was so hard to recreate that live. We had a kind of a, a reaction against that, and almost right after that, we just went back to writing fairly kind of guitar singing songs and maybe adding using some of the knowledge we built up in the songs on top of that so um, we kind of do that now so the new single for example has a bit of that it's, like, it's got a kind of country kind of indie pop feel but if you listen carefully in there there's little bits of electronics just squeaking out every now and again just to kind of yeah yeah, it, it, it's no, it's nowhere near as prevalent as as well. Pop, pop art glory, you know, list, listening to it as you should do uh, on a decent pair of headphones and, and listening to every nuance. Um, I, I've never, I've not been lucky enough to see you uh, play play the pop art glory material live. I've seen you back in the day, <laughs> back in uh, the late eighties, is when I uh, when I saw you a handful of times, as I like to call the good old days. But I always always wondered, listening to, to Pop Art Glory, how immensely difficult that would have been to to try and relay to a crowd live. And you've, you've already answered that question. But it, uh, it's, it's a very it's a very complex, uh, multi layered uh, record. Pop Art Glory. Yeah, um, and the, the 
and hardware back then was very laborious to set up. We were oh. still using floppy disks. Yeah. And, yeah. and if the power went off, for example, even momentarily, um, you'd lose everything. So to reprogram it all, which could take half an hour or so, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so we quickly, we quickly learned that it just, you know, it was more hassle than it was worth. You know, unfortunately, you could probably do it a bit easier with some of the hardware we have now. I mean, I still buy uh, electronic stuff every now and again, so I like to keep my hand in there. Yeah. But I also like to just play the acoustic guitar and electric guitar and sing a song, you know. Well, that's so, the bedrock, isn't it? That's the starting point, regardless of everything else. You've got to get, get a guitar in your hand, haven't you? Yes, and it's been marvellous as well to have Tom singing the new single because um, Tom's got a marvellous voice. Mm. And, you know, we don't get enough singing drummers. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not, bring up, let's not bring up Mr. Collins, but you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what's his face? Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. They're, they're, they're kind of a rare, rare commodity, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting you brought that up because uh, it, it is. It's, it's, it really is an anomaly. It would be lovely to see some live footage of that, you know, to seeing how it actually goes down. That would be very interesting. Which actually, is, is, there, is there much truth to this documentary ever seeing light of day, Jim? It's alive. It's alive. That's yeah. That was my concern. That, that, yeah, it's not been shelved. That's wonderful. I was just going to ask you actually. Do, do you um, do you still uh, have any dialogue or keep in touch with uh, with with Alan uh, McGee at all? Great stuff. I mean, I was going to say that his tabernacle or tabernacle, depending on what your enunciation is, um, 
Apparently, apparently he said he's going to shut that down because the local authorities are giving him grief over it. But that would have been a wonderful forum because I think the last act that played there was uh, Brick Smith uh, uh, playing her, you know, X Fall stuff, and uh, other artists have have played to 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 to, to rave reviews there. But my, it's my understanding that he's knocked that on the head, Jim. Yeah, we'll give him a shout. I mean, I I hope it hasn't I hope it hasn't met a premature end because, you know, the, the the talent. I mean, the Dream Academy stuff was just unbelievable to see to see that footage from that kind of venue. But yeah. in in a very similar vein, though, um, London, you know, being your old stomping ground, um, there's a lot of uh, really good retro activity going on at the Water Rats. You know, the the the, the chap there is bringing in the likes of the Primitives and the Darling Buds and the House of Love to do one off gigs and. If it doesn't work out with you and Pat with regards to Alan's venue, the Water Rats might be an opportunity because it's been a wonderful series of gigs that they put together there uh, of, of bands who have either had uh, longevity through the eight, late 80s to now or they've had sporadic, uh, uh, you know, they've disbanded, they've reformed, disbanded, reformed and, and, and they've been received really, really well because... That, that genre of music, as I keep calling it, you know, the heady halcyon days, uh, there's still an immense amount of interest in it from the 50-somethings like me, but the, the, the youngsters are also wanting to revisit the past, and it's providing a wonderful forum for them to be able to actually say, well, you know, I've, I've played my part. I'm, I'm a part of this journey now, because these half of these 20-somethings couldn't, couldn't have had, what, physically impossible to have seen you back in the day. Anyway, point I'm trying to say is, it's not inconceivable that, that uh, the Water Rats might be a venue for you and uh, and Pat to, to be able to satiate the people who want to see you live. Yeah, it sounds perfect for us, Sarah. Um, I think we played the, the 80s, you know. Uh, I think before it became the Water Rats. I think I saw you there in the in the 80s, and, and it was a real mucky, mucky, dumpy-looking place before they refurbed it. Uh, the used to drink there, so they yes, always around at the that's it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the same same old place. But uh, I'm just very, very impressed with with the roster that that you know he's putting together there. Anyway, it might be worth reaching out because uh, it's a nice little theme there. It's it's literally you see you see the gig list there. And it's like looking at a gig list in 1989. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, it sounds perfect for us because I don't know. You've got kind of some of the some of the kind of things that have been putting out some of the blogs and stuff, but we did a, we did kind of uh, shoot ourselves in the foot a few times in the eighties. You've, you've already mentioned kind of uh, um, the journalist strike, which wasn't down to us, obviously. <laughs> no. We turn up and play. <laughs> we turn up and play, and we have a new set. So we go into Glasgow for it, for example, and they'd, they'd be shouting for songs that we'd had out on record or whatever, and we'd go, no, we've got this new set, we're playing that, you know, and we just didn't think in a way that would have what would please audiences, we just thought what we wanted to play, and we'll, we'll rap like that right through to Pop Art Glory, Pop Art Glory, people were shouting for creation songs, and we're going, no, we've got this new album, we're playing that, you know, <laughs> and, 
realised, I'm 54, you know, I've just realised now, oh, actually, they're paying the money. Um, we need to do some of the songs that they want to hear. So that's how this year we're doing the whole of Another Age album. Yeah. Because it's a kind of anniversary of when we recorded it. Although it didn't come out until 1988. Um, we did actually record, record it in 1987. So for us, it's an anniversary. Um, and it's been really good revisiting the songs um, and trying to kind of uh, get a bit of new life into them and give the audience their money worth. They're coming to see us and it's good that they can recognise the songs that they're coming to hear. But, and we just throw in a couple of ones maybe that they, that they don't know, like the new single and maybe some singles that Yeah. Well, it's also yeah. That, that's I'm sure that's a lot a large part of it, but it's also a very delicate balance to to get right anyway, regardless of whether you want to do it or not. It's uh, it's it, it, you know keep them wanting more, but keep them happy. It's it's a fine fine balance. But you, you it took you fifty four years. You got there in the end, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've just got, I've got a couple of couple I'm quite, of. I'm quite proud. Yes, uh, yeah. It's going on a lot at, at the water racks, you know. And why not? You should do it, you know. You've got some, some good things from the past. You should use them. I agree, and it's a one. This is just a wonderful. Listen, uh, apart from music, and possibly in some people's lives, football. They're the most emotive, evocative uh, emotions that, that that we have, and and to. You know, I can tangibly map my life by virtue of record releases, and I know that you're a very, very similar. And and the listener and and uh, the fans, the people who go to the, the gigs and buy the records, they are in the same boat. There are people, and uh, it, it's lovely. It must be lovely for you to know that that you know all these years on. I mean, we're talking three decades, and we've seen so much change in the world that we live in that people still love a good tune, right? Yes. By the, by the time we by the time we've released another age, but even by then we kind of realised that there were so many good people out there putting on small venue gigs above pubs all around the UK. These indie pub club gigs, and that was our bread and butter, really. And we really did appreciate them. And a lot of those people we become friends after a while, you know, yes. because you've got a lot in common anyway, and you you kind of 
writing letters, which eventually become emails, I suppose, and then become Facebook and Twitter kind of uh, comments. But, you know, I've got a long history, 30 years, and it's been really, really kind of uh, driven by our kind of connections and friendships with people. And that's been the most important thing in some ways uh, that's kept us going. Well, in, in the annals of music history, you play a very big role, and, and it's almost... It's almost you're being more appreciated uh, down the line as you were at the time, and that often happens, unfortunately. But uh, it's nice that the recognition comes uh, in any way, shape or form, in any degree of uh, uh, delivery. But I think that when it comes to you guys and, and the music that you've made so diligently over the years, I still think there's an awful lot of room for um, what I deem traditional media to be able to uh, perhaps envelop you more. I mean, long, long gone are the days where you needed a spin from from, from Mr. Peel and, and a decent review in the NME uh, single reviews. Uh, it's a lot more hard work to gain uh, any any degree of momentum in this new new industry that we all uh, operate in. Um, how, how have you found in general, obviously not specific, but in general, the, the acceptance for when you want to chuck something new out, like for instance, the new single, you've, uh, you've tried to promote that new single. How would you, how would you describe the acceptance of that in, in, in general for, from the people you're sending it to, the PR companies and, and uh, the radio stations, etc.? cetera? I won't lie, it's been really hard. Yeah. Um, as well because we kind of me and Lottie put stuff on Twitter and Facebook and it's been quite exciting some of the little things that happen it's just the little connections you make with some of the some of the kind of uh, radio presenters and things like that yeah um, we haven't had that many reviews to be honest um, but there have been but radio stations have been quite good I'd say you know we've had a play in every continent except for Africa, so it's been... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not world domination yet, but um, we're not far off it. All right. Um, it's, it's just been good to make the connections. It's harder to make the connections in some ways now because they're so it's... widely spread. Yeah, um, so... It's nice when people eventually kind of uh, catch up with you or you catch up with them. And some surprises as well, you know, like, um, you know... You kind of you don't expect whispering Bob Harris or anything to reply to your tweet or whatever you know things like that. It's just kind of Lovely. little things that kind of uh, that that kind of uh, keep you going. You know, it's, it's all the little connections. Yeah. And it's mostly with people that have kind of that are fans or the friends that we've built up over the years. But then occasionally somebody new comes along. You know, that kind of like the Stuart McCauley kind of thing about kind of. Uh, how he enjoyed the, the compilation CD, and it's just those things that kind of we try and use. It. I can't know how it works. I don't think anybody knows how it works. Either. <laughs> they're just kind of throwing things out there, and they're trying to they're tr trying to kind of be a little bit different, a little bit original, but connect as well and have a lot in common with other people. Hopefully, that can do that. So, so you yeah, happy? So we just <laughs> we do. Yeah, yeah, and and you you made some you made some great waves, and it's just a, you know it's a, the end game is the same. The processes by which to get there have changed, so it's a little bit more uh, you have to be a little bit more involved, and you need to be uh, tangible to your audience to actually uh, 
because the expectancy now is with social media there's 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 a different level of contact and communication that is associated with any kind of outreach but you seem to have got that all nicely sorted out i've got a couple of last things for you that and one one of which is if if i could ask you kindly to choose one song i'm playing i'm playing i'll, I'll be playing several songs but could you choose one song from uh, your catalog that you'd like me to play and while we're on the subject of that just for fun uh, could you perhaps pick uh, a jazz butcher tune as well that I could play? Right. Okay. Um, right. For um, well, doing another age album, it's been really nice. So um, I've really enjoyed doing Soul Station again. Okay. Um, so I'd probably choose that as my kind of favourite one at the moment to sing. Uh, it's been nice going back and revisiting that. Lovely, yeah. It's a great, um, great song. And the jazz butcher, I'm not I really like uh, like that last album he, he did. Um, uh, and there's a French one in there, but I've forgotten the name of it. I really like that. Uh, got some French verses in it. Well, I've forgotten some of the names of some of the songs. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my hand up now. Um, I, I don't have that to memory, but I'll, I'll definitely play the song that, that you're, you'll think. I know the song you mean, I just don't know the name of it, and I don't want to be mucking around on my yeah. computer right now as I'm recording an interview with you. But So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get your track on. We'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll get uh, kind of a, an homage to Mr. Mr. Fish as well. And, and, and I've, got, well, I've got one last question. This is a question that I ask anybody and everybody that I interview and it, 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 it seems like a rather simplistic question but it, it, it stumps the vast majority of people whereby they don't really answer really quickly they have to ponder it so hypothetically we've got you doing an, an, an eastern North American swing and you play off to a one night you're staying at my house and we put the kettle on get you a nice cup of tea and I, and I bring out the magic biscuit tin and uh, it's quite a simple scenario. It's, Jim, I've got this magic biscuit tin. You can choose any biscuit on God's green earth. What would you choose? Phoenix tea cake. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. You're not the only one. I believe I believe that Douglas Stewart or either Pete Hooten from the farm has that. I'm not sure which one of the Tunnock's family, but I'm not overly surprised by that choice, but it's a very, very good choice. So what I've got, what I've got, Jim, is I've got a, a very articulate spreadsheet slash infographic of all of the biscuits concerned and the people who are, uh, who've chosen it as their uh, magic biscuit. So I'll send you that spreadsheet uh, dutifully in the next couple of days. Uh, and I will, I'll uh, also be sending yourself and Wati a, a link in the next uh, two, three days uh, to the, the podcast itself. So on that note... Um, thank you so much for, for finding a reception and being able to chat. And it's been really enlightening. And I hope that more and more people are going to get a kick out of sharing your story. I really, really do. I do, I do hope so. Thank you very much for 
Having you on your show, Darren. Oh, really it's an ab it. absolute pleasure. And uh, everybody will have all those links and uh, URLs and all the information for the charity. I'll make sure that I put all the uh, all the web links up as well, so everybody concerned will have no excuse not to uh, at least educate themselves a little bit more as to uh, all the nuances of uh, MND. So, listen, look after yourself. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that we stay in touch, and I will be in touch imminently with uh, with the links concerned. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, we we'll can keep in touch. I do hope so. All the best, Jim. Take care. Safe travels. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, that wasn't a bad connection, considering that Jim was in the middle of the Highlands. Thank you so much, Jim. That was a, a really, really informative chat. I had a lot of fun, and I hope that uh, you lot listening enjoyed uh, the anecdotes and the banter there uh, and know a lot more about this wonderful band that have a really legitimate uh, place to play in the world of alt-indie guitar pop uh, of the last 30 years. They are a band to be reckoned with, and I'm just very, very happy that they are in this current format still gaining the prominence that they deserve but this this record itself does need a lot more uh, a lot more uh, publicity so do all you can to share it with people all the all the links are going to be in the, the show notes as i mentioned before so uh, that's the bandcamp page the facebook page and the uh, the scottish uh, um, MND site uh, should you wish to donate directly as well as buying the record because as i mentioned every penny and uh, i must stress this every penny of uh, the proceeds will be going to said charity. Um, I've got one more song for you. This is the one that uh, Jim himself chose. It's a beauty, as they all are, as you probably recognised if you don't already know the band. They're really good, aren't they? So uh, um, I'll mention to you, actually, before I get into the song, that uh, in addition to uh, articulating this in the interview, if you want a one-stop shop for uh, everything that is uh, the Jasmine Minx, visit uh, Cherry Red Records uh, and get the Cut Me Deep, the anthology, which uh, compiles all their works between 84 and 2014. The remainder of their work, you can go to the Bandcamp page and buy it uh, digitally from that site. So if you buy this one release in conjunction with everything that's on offer on the Bandcamp page, you're as near as damn it the completest, save for the uh, demo tapes that uh, Jim Shepard has in his attic. So uh, um, that's a tip for you. If you enjoy them, which I hope you do, go and buy the product. Any road, one last song. This is the one that uh, he himself chose for me to play. And it's called Soul Station. Um, well, the soul station
the Jasmine Minx with Soul Station. And that's a song that also appears on the third LP, uh, Another Age, released in 1988. That is a wrap for another week. Uh, but before I go, um, it, this isn't a new feature, but it's something I just wanted to uh, to include in the programme uh, as, uh, as some, some sort of homework, if you like. Um, I was just uh, having a little think the other day about um, cover versions that never were. Um, and songs from the past that uh, are indeed mighty but haven't perhaps been given the uh, the credit they deserve uh, or the recognition. Um, now, here's a ponderance for you. Imagine a band doing another song. That's the premise of this whole thing. So I'm thinking, if you're, if you're a music fan, you, uh, you, you will obviously know of Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne. Um, Black Sabbath, the first... The first five Black Sabbath albums you can hang your hat on. You really, really can. Now, Looking for Today by Black Sabbath. Could you imagine, this is the supposition, that particular song, so if you don't know it, this is your homework, you've got to go and listen to Looking for Today by Black Sabbath, which in itself is an absolute belter of a tune. Uh, But you can then extrapolate that after having listened to it and then imagine if only Kurt and the boys got their hands on that back in Seattle, back in the day, if Nirvana had had a really good go, a really good kick, uh, looking for today by Black Sabbath. That's your homework for this week. Have a listen and see if uh, that can uh, stimulate some kind of process whereby, hang on a minute, yeah, that would have been uh, superb to hear. Obviously, we can't, we don't have the technology by which to do that, but uh, it's worth thinking about and it's uh, it's a lot of fun too. So I'll have another one for you next week. Right, thanks to uh, Jim Shepherd. It's been an absolute joy to be here. I'm back out on the motorway now, going back home for, for Sunday dinner. So I'll be back next week. Uh, don't forget nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. And don't forget that this show has been brought to you categorically by Jim Shepherd, the Jasmine Minx, and the Tunnocks tea cake. ta